don't have any PowerPoint today. I have two messages. I have like 20-something pages. I have to kind of cherry-pick through what I feel like God wants me to say to you today. You know, over a month ago, I started a message about the wilderness journey, and if I totally do all the wilderness journey, this would be the third week of it. You know, the whole thing, reading through Deuteronomy this last few months, uh, just seeing how Moses kind of culminated the journey of the children of Israel through the wilderness. And I've been trying to liken our journey in life through Jesus Christ, like walking in the wilderness. We are really walking in the wilderness. And as Christians, we have such highs and lows about the things that we go through. We wonder, where are you at, God, in this wilderness? But as you think about what you're going through and what wilderness you're going through right now, consider Peter, consider um, Paul and Silas in that jail. They're rejoicing that they were able to suffer beatings because they believed in Jesus Christ and they had just testified of him. We look at our wildernesses and part of what Dory was saying about how we hold back our witnesses because we're so aware of the journey we're on and the, the difficulties that we go through. But really, the wilderness journey is all about putting our heart and our eyes on the Lord. I'm so glad all of you are here today because the greatest thing we could do is have our spirit be invested in today. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that is pouring into our spirit. The only thing we're going to take out of this life is our spirit. Our born-again spirit is going to live again in another body. It's going to live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing we can do is feed our spirit and grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to put in practice the Word of God. That wilderness journey. You know, some key scriptures um, out of Exodus 16. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. They had gone uh, already a couple months through the wilderness. They've already experienced no food, no water. God let them camp in that oasis, in that area where there were 70 palm trees, lots of shade, and there was pools of water for them to drink of. Now they come to another place where there's no food in their water. And it's like us. We get to places in our life and we wonder, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? And we feel so powerless, we feel so helpless, we feel like we're alone. They had the cloud with them on this journey. They had just seen all these miracles that God did to get them out of Egypt, and yet they were stuck on the natural things. We are supposed to learn from their experience. I don't care what you're going through right now. I can't, I can't believe what some of you are going through, but what you're going through is only a distraction of what God's trying to do in your spirit to help you look beyond what you're going through, to believe in the Lord, to contend for what God has for you, and to grow your spirit, that you would have faith no matter what you're going through, that God is good, and that God wants to use you to share the good news with other people also. We're going to go through, just like the children of Israel, you're going to go through one trial after the next. You know, just a week ago, I was looking so forward to Bob Johnson being here. We had talked with him for two years. We were going to get to connect. 
and it didn't happen. I missed out on everything. And I'm thinking, God, what's going on? I've been walking with you. I've been tracking with you. What is going on? I'm praying. What's going on? Dave Zell talked just a month ago, talked about standing against uh, getting the flu or sickness or a cold. I did all that stuff, and I still was sick. <laughs> but I was just kind of rehearsing how, how religious we can become, how routine we can become, and, and even doing all the right things, coming to church, reading your Bible, praying, you know, we can be kind of numb with God. And we have to have moments where we tear out of the routine and out of our, even our religious, and we get a hold of God. And I just spent like a couple of hours in here Friday, just, you know, I've been praying so much, but I'm just saying, God, God, where are you? What's going on? God, I, I, I did that thing where it talks about rend your heart. You know, the Psalms talks about, about rending our hearts and, you know, tearing away whatever's going on. And it took me like two hours plus an hour just waiting on God where I felt like my heart just broke through and I just loved God. And I thought, there it is. It's about us loving Jesus. And whatever we have to go through to just, you know, get with God sometimes and break out of our own apathy, break out of our own uh, unbelief and stuff, it's so, so powerful when you connect your heart to Jesus. When your spirit connects and you know that you love Jesus, that's where it's all at. It's not about what we're going through, what's being answered, what's not being answered, where you're frustrated, what you're getting that you want and that you're not getting, it doesn't mean anything. Our whole thing is to know and love God. And this is what the children of Israel are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be walking this way. The thing about the wilderness, will we trust God in our wilderness? And also, will we pass our tests? Will God be able to trust us? Man, it's almost it's so for us easy for us because we're needy people. We we need salvation. We need forgiveness of sin. That we're in this place of receiving, but as we grow in Christ, God wants to be able to trust us. God puts us through the wilderness test, and He wants to know: Will I be able to trust you? Will I be able to trust you with an anointing of the Holy Spirit and gifts of God that will cause you to be a powerful, effective person in my life? And you know, as I was wrestling through things, again, I had a defining moment of knowing who I am. I'm probably the, really the least person in this church. And like Anna said, really the power of that scripture is for us to stand. No matter what we're going through is to stand as a believer. Who you are, who you know who you are, what you are spiritually and emotionally, and the person you are, and to stand in that place and let God work through you. God is the power that's going to do whatever he's going to do through our lives. And all we have to do is stand where we're supposed to stand and see what God wants to do through our lives. They, through so many times they were going through places where there was no water, no food, and they constantly complained. And, you know, we read those passages where Moses was getting tired of them, of their complaining. God was calling a stiff-necked people that place where God was so done with them, he said, you know what, Moses, I just can't even be around you. And Moses was so frustrated. God, if you leave us, where do we go? I can't go without you. I need your presence. You know, we have to get to those places where whatever we're going through really is about defining our spiritual life. It is in what we're going through is where we find really who God is. And we break out of uh, our, our, our just our, our natural mindset and who God is and what he's wanting to do in our lives. In Exodus 17, it talks about the people complaining. Why? Moses said, why are you tempting the Lord? 
We tempt the Lord when we complain. When we're in our wildernesses and we do not like where we're at and we start complaining, we are actually, uh, we're actually frustrating what God wants to do in our life. We have to get our, our eyes and our heart after, away from our complaining and say, God, thank you. I don't understand what I'm going through. I'm in deep pain in this wilderness. I'm, I'm in a deep struggle with what I'm going through. But God, I don't want to be angry with you. I don't want to complain. God, work on my heart. Lord, speak to my heart. Let me know what you're trying to say to me through this journey I am in. The wilderness is a tool God uses to separate me to himself. Man, when I went through the last couple of weeks being sick, being disappointed, it was like God had to work to separate me to himself. When my heart broke through and I felt like, man, I love you, God. I don't care what's going on. I love you. It was everything I needed that I, I was connecting with God, that what I was going through, being sick and nothing going the way I wanted, it was about me and God getting close again. God, forgive me for being distant. Forgive me for taking you for granted. Forgive me into getting into a place where I'm confessing this or trying to get that and this. And, and it's just, it's religious, but it's not connecting with my heart and you. In 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says, Don't complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. That was when the, those serpents came and began to bite them. In Philippians 2.14, it says, do all things without complaining and disputing. And I can't say that's been me. I've been a big complainer. Maybe not out loud, but in, inside, I grumble with the Lord. Anybody have grumbled to the Lord because of your circumstances, your wilderness? God, forgive me for grumbling. Forgive me for complaining. Thank you for the apostles. Thank you for the witness of who they were as men of God and the women that were rose up around them and went through all kinds of persecution. And, and they, their government was the worst government there was. And they were hanging people on crosses and burning them as to light their streets. And yet these people had a faith that rose up and caused them to live differently. Talk about a wilderness. Man, we're in America. We don't have that kind of wilderness. They're not hanging us and using us as streetlights to save energy. Question in Deuteronomy 8.2, why is our way in the wilderness? You ever ask that, God, why am I going through this? Why am I struggling right now? What is the purpose? In Deuteronomy 8.2, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So what we're going through, he's testing us. He wants to know what's in our heart. And I'm so glad I went through my test this week to find out in my heart, my heart was dis had become disconnected. My heart be had become religious, being and saying all the right things, but not really connecting with the lover of my soul, the one that first loved me and extended salvation to me when I was a little kid. Lord, why do you humble me? You know, a lot of us as Christians, we try to humble ourselves. We think we're walking pretty humble. Why do you humble me, Lord? Deuteronomy 8.3. So we humbled you and allowed you to hunger, and he fed you. Ever felt those hungers, those places in those wilderness where you're hungry, you know, and maybe you're trying to feed something, but really our deeper hunger is for God. Our heart has been awakened to the love of God and to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and yet we suffice that hunger. We, we um, anesthetize that hunger. We uh, supplement that hunger. We counterfeit that hunger with different things, trying to fill things, or, and really we're denying our heart's desire is to be with God. Our heart's desire is to learn how to commune with him. Now, I'm not the best relater. You ask my wife, I don't talk as much as she wants to talk. And when I come to God, a lot of times I say, God, I don't feel like I have a lot of words sometimes for you. You know that words that, that communicate like from friend to friend. 
But God, keep working on me. Keep changing me. Keep changing me from who I've been and what my personality is into that place where my heart really has that communion with you and there's that interaction and fellowship and it doesn't matter really what's going on because the peace of God stays on my heart and stays with me because I'm in relationship with you. God, why do you allow me to be hungry? Needs, um, needs connects our heart. But again, it goes so much deeper. We have so much a deeper need and it's that need for God. Really what started in our life when we accepted Jesus, when we had those glorious moments, and I hope that every one of you had a, a glorious, holy moment with God when you first met him. But oh, what, that that would last. Oh, that that would last, and we'd always have these highs with God, but it's not like that. We have to go to those deeper places, and he has to dig through a lot of stuff, things that have happened to us, things that have passed down to us, things that happened in our environment and the people we work with and where we live and all the frustrations that come in life. And all of those lay on the surface and they kind of crucify and harden our heart. But it's God who wants to break through so our hearts are tender before him again. And, and we, we're soft. We struggle in the gifts that God has given us through family. And, and those of you who are married know what it is. And you know, oftentimes you think about your marriage, you think like, why can't I connect? Why, why is it, am I not as loving as I could be? It's all because of the heart. Our heart is the main issue. Our heart, our spirit are the main things in our life. And if we are really going to have the life God wants us to have, we have to, we have to stir ourselves. We have to let God break in and touch those places that, that we have unbelief and doubt. We have to overcome and believe uh, and learn from what Israel missed out on when they journeyed those 40 years. Why do I need to obey the Lord? Deuteronomy, five, Deuteronomy 8, 5 through 7. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens, he humbles you. You ever get humbled by the Lord? Yeah, it's kind of painful. But then after you go through it, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing me a true humility, for letting me connect with who I am and who I'm not yet in you, that you can correct me. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. I think sometimes we don't understand where we're going. I think our world that we live in, in our, our blessings in America, they're always showing us things. They're always offering us the next car, the next electronic device, the next piece of furniture, the next article of clothing, the next pair of shoes. I mean, I'm, looking, I'm using my Bible gateway, and every day they have a whole brand new thing of shoes they want me to buy. You know, we're constantly being distracted. But really, we're moving through this life. We're heading for eternity. And we don't want to get on the other side and realize, I didn't invest enough in my heart and my spirit. I didn't invest enough in my relationship with God that I live for him now in this momentary uh, temporal life and to, and to prepare myself and to be used by God to let other people come to the Lord, but also in inherit something greater than what I could get for a few minutes, for a few moments down here on earth. And I'm not saying you're not, not to have anything. You know, God put us in America, and we're, we're living with the blessings. We're supposed to receive the blessings, but we have to have that in the balance of our relationship with God, to use this world but not abuse it. To have a heart continually for God and what God. If I get, thank you, God. If I get taken away, be like Moses. Thank you, Lord.
you know, we test and try the Lord. In Hebrews 3, 7 through 13, it says, Therefore, as the Lord says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swore my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. When we doubt the Lord, we're trying him and we're testing him. Our heart, our spirit before God is the most important thing that we have. It's, it's more important, and you can appreciate yourself like I do. The older I get, I know my body's decaying away, and I'm looking older and older. Thank you, God, I have a heart that's getting renewed and restored every day. You can't see it right now, but it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's getting better and better because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And someday, it's, this body's not going to be able to contain it anymore. It's going to go. <clears throat> Life's difficulties are for us to know the Lord and His ways. The wilderness way. Oh, how many times have we prayed, God, get me out of this situation. God, I can't believe I'm going to speak again on a Sunday and I'm congested. God does not use shortcuts. Israel might have expected God to be easy on them after bondage and slavery. In Exodus 13, 17, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. Ever want just the easy way? And I want the easy way. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have pain. I don't want to have difficulties. I want to have answers to all my prayers. I want to see every person prayed for healed. That's maybe with the easy way, but there's something that God does with what we're going through when we're going through difficulties, when we're going through suffering. God is doing a deeper work in us. You know, it talks about Jesus, it talks about in some of the Gospels where it says that, you know, about praying and believing and all this, and it says, but when the Lord comes, will he find faith on the earth? Like if you can move mountains and everything, but you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you haven't been refined God's looking for us to go through things and still love him. That's the test. That's what the people in the world are going to see. Because when our heart is out, God is out. The love of God that Dory prophesied about today comes through our, our brokenness. We're like those vessels that are broken and the, the oil, the vapor, the fragrance of who we are comes out because of our life experiences. I have to stop there with that. Now, my second message a little bit. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our heart. It's the food and fuel for our heart is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is gone. I mean, boy, how blessed those guys were to walk with Jesus. For, for John to put his head on his chest at the Last Supper and have such a love relationship with Jesus was incredible. But Jesus is gone.
the verse I would have called my key verse today is John 16, 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, each of the Godhead had their time. Israel saw the miracles. They had the cloud and the pillar for 40 years leaving them. They had the manna every day for 40 years. It still didn't satisfy them. It still didn't motivate them to believe and trust in God so that they missed out on the wilderness. The Holy Spirit was introduced first by Jesus in Matthew 3.16. When Jesus had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. This is one of those events that all four Gospels, all the writers wrote down. In Mark 1.10, immediately coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. In Luke 3.21-22, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And in John 1.33, John the Baptist said, I did not know Jesus, but he, the Lord, who had sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So here we have a dramatic thing that only Jesus saw, the heavens opened and he saw the power of a holy God, the power of the Holy Spirit coming down upon him, all the power of the Almighty. And we know from that time on, Jesus immediately went into the wilderness and he passed those wilderness tests and immediately he was qualified and he began to go in and uproot the things of the enemy. He began to bring healing and restoration and transformation into lives because he was full of the power of God. He was no longer just the man, just the, the man Christ Jesus. He was the living anointed son of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. Amen. In Acts 10.38, after Pentecost, the apostles wrote, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So in our everyday life and in our wilderness walk, the, the bombardment against us is to doubt that the Holy Spirit lives in us. The power of the overcoming one lives in us. That means you can be struggling, you can even be sick or whatever, but you carry the power of the Holy Spirit. And as long as you stand, as long as you can live, as long as you can breathe, you keep praising God, looking to God, and you keep asking God, you use me, God. You use me for whatever. You cause your gifts to manifest through me. And I tell you, if sickness has to fall off, it's going to fall off. Whatever is going to hinder you, it's going to fall off because God wants the Holy Spirit to manifest through your life. 
So whatever you're going through, no matter uh, how the enemy would try to make you depressed or discouraged, it is the Holy Spirit is your rock. It is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit has come. Today, it is our advantage that Jesus has gone. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus away. Man, those disciples, they were struggling at first realizing that. It was a struggle for them to realize their best friend was now gone. But I tell you, it wasn't long. It wasn't long that when Pentecost happened, when Pentecost happened, when those 120 waited through those 40, 30, or 40 days, when he came, they realized, okay, now we understand. Now we understand what it means not to have Jesus around. But I don't care. Jesus wasn't always with me. But now that Jesus is with me, the power of the Holy Spirit is with me, and God is with me, it doesn't matter. And that's what you need to realize today. It is to your advantage. You now live in advantage. You can, your emotions and your mind can check out. Your feelings can, can imagine and, and uh, uh, analyze your circumstance today, your wilderness experience, but you're at an advantage right now. You're at an extreme advantage. Um, Matthew Henry wrote this about that scripture. Trust me to provide effectually that you shall no longer no. Trust me to provide effectually that you shall be no loser by my departure. Trust me to provide effectually that you shall be no loser by my departure. You're not a loser that Jesus is gone. You're a winner. It is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit is with you. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I depart, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you.